Our memory verse for the week comes from Luke 6, verse 32. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. So if you're only loving people who show love back to you, you're no better than anybody else. But the challenge is to be more like Christ and to love those even though they may not show love to you. So work on that. All right, finally, we've made it to the final chapter of 1 Thessalonians. And as usual, well, in this case, Paul is going all out on this chapter. Like the average uh, verses in the each chapter from one through four of 1 Thessalonians is about 14 verses. In this chapter, chapter five, there is a total of 28 verses. So basically double the chapter average from verses one through four. And it's a very good chapter. He talks about the end times, first off. Then he talks about uh, putting on uh, our protection, our armor, and following God and encouraging one another. Then he goes into a few instructions. Then he ends off with an exaltation. And of course, as usual, a prayer. So without further ado, Let's get right into the reading because it's a lot of verses and then they're very important. Here we go. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse one. About the times and seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the dark for this day to overtake you like a thief. For you are all all sons of light and sons of day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must be serious and put the armor of faith and love on our chest and put on a helmet of hope and of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as you already are doing. All right, let's take a pause right here. So first first thing, verses one through seven. He tells us not to, Paul tells, first off, the people of Thessalonica, not they don't need anything to be written to them, for they themselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come swift like a thief in the night. So, uh, that's the first thing I have right now. We all know Jesus is coming back. Now, no one knows exactly when. That is why it will be like a thief in the night. That's why I said it will be like a thief in the night. Because, first off, no one is expecting a thief to show up at their house, surprisingly. And when a thief in the night comes, first off, it's a shocking event. No one expects it to happen. And guess what? Uh, you're awakened by the sound and the, and the commotion that goes on by it. Now, and then he goes on to say people will try to 
to, you know, cover this fact with false senses of peace and security that will also, but will also have to face this judgment and they will also have to face uh, the eyes of God. It'll also come to them like a woman in labor pain, a pregnant woman in labor pains. No one escapes this judgment. We all understand that. But then Paul, Paul wants them to understand that we all have hope because first off, we're sons and daughters of day and we're sons and daughters of light. The Bible first says work while it is day because the night will come when no man can work. Uh, we do not walk in darkness or live in the night. Uh, being saved, we are awake and we're ready for his coming. So as while the others are asleep or drunk in the night, we are awake anticipating his arrival. His arrival. We are neither unaware of his arrival and we are not intoxicated to not even have care over his arrival. So that's the hope that he gives us in those in the sense, basically, that uh, we all know that Christ is coming back, but we do not have to fear his return because we are already anticipating it. And those who are anticipating it and have prepared for his return do not are not going to be punished, but shall reign with him. And then he goes in verse eight through 11 and says, therefore, since we know that night shall approach us, let us be serious. We should arm ourselves with faith, love, and hope. Uh, hope being the helmet of salvation. Um, this reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Now take faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these being love. And then we have to remember that God's plan for everybody on earth, actually, when he's writing this, he says, God's plan is not for wrath, but his plan is actually to... Uh, redeem and sanctify us through Jesus Christ. Because regardless of if we live or die in the flesh, our souls are going to live with him. That's why Paul says we should encourage one another in this so that no one fears for their life. They know that regardless of if we're living here on earth or if we are asleep or or if our flesh has died and our souls are present with God, we shall live with God and we should not fear uh these things that uh these things of the thief in the night and God's wrath being poured upon us because we are forgiven through Christ's salvation. Now let's keep going. Um verse 12. Now we ask you brothers to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves and we exhort you brothers Warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies. But test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from what is evil. So these are a lot of different instructions on how to first treat yourself and others. He says, uh, he starts by saying, first, we should give credit where it is due. When it, uh, someone does something that is good, we should give them the credit that they rightfully deserve. 
there, there are obvious reasons why this should be done. There's a lot of reasons why this should be done. It encourages the person who is doing the work and helps them realize that their work doesn't go unnoticed, first off. And then it also prevents us from uh, growing weary in our faith or in doing well in our works. Paul then exhorts them for their work of first off reading this uh, reading this letter that he sent them and for and for doing the work that he mentioned in previous chapters. He exhorts them for that, as he just said that they should do, leading by example. Then he says the un, the irresponsible shall be warned of their uh, wrongdoings, that we should warn those who are not doing what they're supposed to and those who are, are sinning. And then he goes on to say, those who feel discouraged should be comforted. We we all can fall into discouragement even when we are even when we are being uh, given the credit that we are due. We can often fall into uh, discouragement. So when we are discouraged or someone is discouraged, we should comfort them. Then he says, all those weak, and I believe not only weak in body he was talking about, but also weak in spirit should be assisted in every possible way that we can with our greatest of our ability that we should be able to assist them and help them. And over patience extended to everyone. He talks about uh, being patient with everyone. Whereas it's in verse, you see it's in verse, uh, 14, he says, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And I know we've already heard this a few times. James said it too. Uh, Let patience have her perfect work. Clearly, patience is one of the most important things because here comes the next part. It says, we should not repay evil for evil, but should do good to all the people, not only good to good, do good to all people, not only the people that we like, but also people that we don't like. That's what it says in Luke 6, verse 32 through 35. Jesus says that uh, if we only do things, if we only do good to those who do good to us, we're no better than anybody else, because even people who don't read the Bible and honestly have nothing to do with the Bible do good to those who do good to them. But when we put ourselves in the position to do good to those who yet do evil unto us, we are reflecting God's love onto them which Paul wants to express. And then we are to always rejoice for our reward is greater in heaven. First off, that's one reason. And secondly, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Also, we have just been reminded earlier in this chapter that uh, when Christ comes back, his wrath shall not be on those who are forgiven. So we should always be rejoice, rejoice in those man for those things in that manner. Then, uh, we should pray constantly. That's one to avoid temptation. And also, um, we should be having conversations with God at all times anyway. And then he says uh, to give thanks in everything for that is God's will to be content. Paul says in Philippians, I believe it's four verse 11 or four verse 12. He says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He's talking about that again with these people in Thessalonians. Thessalonica, uh, to be content for that's God's will that we are content in whatever state we find ourselves. We are to allow the spirit to flow freely. That's what he talks about. Let's do not stifle the spirit. And 
we are not to ignore prophets, but to test to see if they are of God or of Satan. I could not find the scripture verse. I will get it to you when I when I can find it. But it's about how you test a prophet. And it basically says if a pro, uh, sometimes a prophet will come to you and if something comes true, uh, you still test them to see if they're pointing you towards God or if they're pointing you towards man. Because if a prophet says something and it comes true, but they're not pointing you towards God, they're not a prophet of God. And then we are to cling to what is good and to shun what is evil, which is um, really interesting because we oftentimes cling to what is good, but tie it with a rope and see how far close, how close to the edge we can get without falling off. All right. Now we're going to go to verse 23 to 28. It says, now may the peace of God himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And that's how he ends the chapter. He ends off by uh, first praying that God would sanctify them completely and cause them to remain blameless and sound in body and also in soul. We heard that in the previous chapters that he wanted us to be sanctified, that, well, we should be sanctified by God and we should present ourselves blameless, just as Elizabeth and Zechariah were, according to Luke chapter one, verse six, I believe. And then he talks about greeting one another with a holy kiss, which was a way of uh, showing love and care for one another during those times. Also, and then at the end, he says he then prays that Jesus' grace would be unto them, and he concludes the entire uh, book. So I told you this was a, a great ending to the chapter. He focuses on a lot of the issues that uh, people may have had. Um for one, uh, trying to measure when Christ was coming instead of just focusing on doing the work while it was still time to do the work. So instead of focusing on when Christ shall come, uh, focus on, you know, focus on doing the work till he comes. Instead of waiting till your mom's at the door to put the, the chicken in the sink, put the chicken in the sink when she leaves. That way, when she gets back, it's already out. So that's basically what he's saying. Not not to be uh, lazy and just sit there and anticipate Christ coming. We should work while we wait. And while we're doing that, we should pray constantly. We should rejoice evermore. And we should be content in whatever state we are. And now it's time for our reflection. Our first, your first question for this reflection is, are you awake and ready for Christ's return? Are we anticipating it or are we asleep, not working and unaware of it? Next, um, are we repaying evil for good? Not allowing people to sin, not allowing other people's sins to cause us to sin. 
or are we behaving as sinners reacting to every trespass done to us not having patience and not being proactive to a situation reacting every single time something happens to us and thirdly are we clinging to what is good or are we testing the limits of Christ's grace and testing the limits of our temptate of the temptations presented to us by seeing how close to the edge of the cliff of sin we can get to without falling off. So think about these things this week. Challenge yourself to actually explore these questions and see where we you may have fallen short or where you need to improve.